Welcome to episode 22 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alex Assassinato Fitzgerald. Uh, how are you, Alex? I'm great. Always happy to be here. How you doing, man? Good, mate. Good. Um, yeah, this is episode 22 now uh, of Ask Alex, and they're all available on iTunes. Just search OneOuter podcast, O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R. And they're all available for download for free as well on oneouter.com. And all my previous interviews with Helmuth, Greenstein, Jungle Man, etc., before Alex took over the show, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're all available as well uh, on the website and on iTunes. So you can download all them in-depth interviews. Um, so what have you been up to, Alex? Not much, man. Just, uh, you know, got done with the W Coop. Uh, I'm really... I recorded the entire w coop and that now that's up as a downloadable it's 49.99 for those of you who are interested you can just send it to assassinato uh coast ass ass i nato uh it, it should be the symbol will be a jap a white japanese symbol on a black background and uh yeah you send the money there and then you write us at assassinato coaching at gmail.com say who you are and uh we just send you you get a download link of every video and I like actually really edited these videos. Like I, I would pause the video between hands I wasn't playing. And then like if a hand happened, that was really interesting. I would turn it back on and I would like play the, the hand and like the poker stars hand history replayer, which was good because, you know, I could say like, okay, you want to be looking for this and this and this, and this is the note we're going to be taking. And so I was watching some of the videos back and it's just way more, it's more fun to me. Like the scoop was interesting because it was like literally every minute of a tournament series. And I don't think anyone's ever done that, but most people don't have a hundred plus hours to put into, you know, watching videos. So this time I tried to make it like as much information as possible. I really love the result. We even got a win in there uh, with the W coop second chance. And yeah, those are all like ready to download. So you like write us, it's, you know, it's $49. You get all the videos right away. You can watch me win a W Coop. The strategies have changed between the Scoop and the W Coop. I played, like, a much, like, tighter preflop game because people have gotten a lot better preflop, but, like, three betting more intensely because everybody's flatting now. That's their new thing. Like, it's okay to flat again, right? Which makes it really bad to open, like, an ace-eight offsuit in middle position, but, like, it makes it better now to three-bet, like, a seven-four suited because people are just, instead of four-bet bluffing you off, they're just flatting you, missing the board, and folding. So there's a lot of adjustments like that. You get to see how uh, the adjustments I advocated in the training video, you flat too much, worked in. And, yeah, you know, I was pretty happy with the result. Still came out negative on the WCOOP, even with the second chance win, but, you know, <laughs> still a good time. Yeah, what happened with the second chance for those of us that uh, you know don't know and stuff? I mean, I, I obviously know, but for people that, that don't, what what happened with that? What was the sort of run like and, and what was the score? Oh yeah, no, I always love talking about me winning, so that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Um, well, I uh, I said at the beginning of those videos, if you watch those videos, I said this is my event. 
Like everybody, I, a couple of years, we talked about, I think it was like a year ago on the podcast. One of the first questions was adjustments on like, uh, like zoom poker, rush poker tournaments. Yeah. And like, I, I didn't like hide anything from you guys. I was like, you got to realize like, you know, if Phil Ivy on the bubble gets to play a hundred hands and you on another table gets to play 10 hands, you would be pissed because he's artificially getting a longer level. Right. Which has always been something that's concerned me on the bubble when people are like time banking you know what i mean and like some guy on the other table is like getting a lot more hands well the thing is with zoom poker if you're not playing that many tables and like i i didn't play anything but the zoom table and uh the other thing is like you have to realize like there's a lot of times like let's say you have like ace for offsuit in a small blind well this is like a fine hand to play but it's like barely profitable and if you're uh you're at a table for you could if you can just snap fold and go to a new hand that's much more profitable a lot of times you should just fold that ace four off and if you can fold that ace four off you should be able to fold the jack jack eight offsuit the king four offsuit uh the king seven offsuit even like maybe like a king ten off or something like that if it's taking too long you know what i mean and also mm -hmm. there's a certain percentage of the time somebody's going to open ahead and you're going to have to fold anyway so I like took the risk in a lot of these hands to like, okay, I'm going to forfeit a hand I know is slightly profitable because I think it is more likely uh, in an upcoming hand, I'm going to get a more profitable spot. And then there's other spots like uh, there's a lot of guys who just open way too much in zoom poker because like you, you Google, I mean, not Google, you look up on poker stars, how many tables they're playing. If they're playing a lot of tables, that means they're not doing this folding that they should be doing. Uh, they're like holding on to like, uh, like the seven, five suited and stuff that maybe you should fold from middle position. If there's nobody at the table, you can really exploit and you can just get another hand. So they're still opening really wide, but when you three bet them in position, they're like, Oh, he didn't quick fold. He must have a hand, right? So if you have a guy at your table who is like, and this goes back to that uh, training video, you flat too much, you see he never four bets. He always flats the three bet. And he's honest on the turn or the flop to a C bet. You can just pound these people because they give you a much tighter range than they normally do. So I really focus on this, like trying to have like good hands in position, constantly hammering on people who I thought were just opening because they had too many tables. And uh, the good thing when they have too many tables is they open a little too much. Uh, they're too honest of a three bet because they assume everybody else is like quick folding uh, if they don't really have a hand. But they're also quick folding anything that's like really garbage because even though they're not taking advantage of like the time and like being able to have artificially longer uh, levels by getting in like three times the amount of hands or two times the amount of hands as their competition – they still assume they can fold a little tighter, which isn't really true. If you're going to, if you're going to time bank with every hand, you should play those hands. But anyway, so yeah, using those adjustments on a very like surface, uh, it, that's a very surface explanation. I, I said, this is going to be my tournament and it wasn't the first W coupe one. I like busted on, uh, I like four X my stack and then like busted before the money. And I couldn't find the second chance because I forgot I had my filter to get rid of turbos because traditionally I don't play turbos. I don't really enjoy them. Uh, I, I think I have a slight edge in them, but not that big. 
And then I was like, oh, crap, there's not a second chance today. And then, oh, wait, there is. So I played it. Uh, I, you know, got a, got a cup of coffee in me, and I really hit as many hands as I could. And, uh, yeah, we ended, I ended up winning it. So it was, uh, and there was some pretty crazy-ass hands at the end, like a three-bet bluff on a flop, which I showed because I got pissed off. Anybody would have the audacity to raise me on the flop with nothing, but it, you know it was just it, it was a lot of you know a lot of like check raising people off of hands, using notes to really take advantage of people was really fun. Like I had a lot of notes on people who were like paw controllers, so they would bet on a board like a six five rainbow, and you know you got to ask yourself what is he betting here? If he checks back a seven, a eight, a nine, uh, maybe a ten. It's like ace six, ace five, ace king, ace queen, ace jack, or the other 70% of his hands, which are nothing. So I was like, check callings, check raising on the turn, or check raising on the flop. And, you know, it just, it was one of those tournaments, everything worked. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, shifted for uh, near 30K, but, you know, the whole W coup cost me like, I think like 45, 50 with all the other buy-ins. So yeah, yeah, I lost, I lost a 15k heads up for a PCA uh, thing. If I uh, if I hit that, I probably would have, uh, you know, come out even on the series. But you know, I mean, that's that's how it works, man. You put in 21 days, it can go out like that. But I've been really happy with the sales and everything, and everybody was really cool and supportive. So it was cool to get that win in and get that analysis that's the cool thing with everybody like buying the videos you can you know you can like come out even on a series you know what i mean like yeah. if, <laughs> if you come up a little short you know what i mean and you get to help you know all my friends are always like man i want to watch you sweat man i want to pay to like come to your house and watch you play man it's like man i can't have you all in my house but you know here like just help me pay like the server fees and crap and i'll send you the videos and now we get to do that with like hundreds of people so that's yeah. cool all right i've ranted enough sorry <laughs> well, you touched on PCA there. I was going to mention that as well. My notes for the start of the podcast. I got an email from Stars starting to, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now actually, starting to like advertise the PCA satellites, etc. Is that something you're saying? You know, I know you go there most years. Are you going this year, and are you already starting to try and you know qualify on Stars, or what's your sort of process for that? Oh, that's a that's a great question because a lot of people. A lot of people have really weird ideas on live events. Here, here's the thing about live events. Here's two things, okay? I'm going to tell you the really good part and the really bad part. The really bad part starts like this. Uh, PCA is like a 10K plus 6K. Like if you looked in the, like if you looked in the PokerStars lobby and saw like a 10K plus 6K rake, you would never play that, right? Like no chance in hell. Now it's not that bad. Right. But it's close to that because with the travel and, you know, uh, uh, with with the plane tickets, with the hotel, with the food, with the, they put a thousand dollars, you know, like they take a thousand from the prize pool and say, you have to spend this on food for expenses. Right. So yeah. it ends up being like a 10K plus 4K, 10K plus 3K, what, depending on who you bring or whatever. Right. So if you're going to play like a live event, you have to do it for the vacation. Now, the Bahamas, to me, is, like, the ultimate. I, I just love, like, you know, taking my wife out on the jet ski on the Caribbean and, like, swimming every day in the blue water and all that and running on the white sand beach and whatever to work out. So, like, it's worth it to me 
but like if you you know like if you're not really going to enjoy the vacation i don't know why the hell you would go out there you know what i mean so like if you want a vacation and you're going to play some poker it's pretty good and if you want that the pca stats are amazing because it's like uh it's like 50 percent of the prize pool for first you know what mm-hmm. i mean or 60 percent of the prize pool so they get rid of this socialized crap you know what i mean like i kind of like i'm not ragging on poker stars because like I've worked with poker sites before in the past, and I understand they have a job. And if, like, they break people, those people don't keep paying rakes. So the idea is to give everybody a little money. But in, like, the W Coop second chance I won, there was, like, 186000 in the prize pool, and they couldn't give me thirty k for first. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it, it literally felt like a joke. Like, all right, it's 29920 You know, like, I'm not going to give you the thirty. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like... The great thing about the PCA sats is you get a lot of people that satellite in. They have no idea what they're doing. There's a lot of pros that are really good who, like, choke when it comes down to, like, a 15K heads up or something like that. If you don't, you know, if you're a high-stakes pro, there's a lot of money to be made here. If you can, like, grind it out and keep your head together. Because essentially at the end of the tournament, you're playing, like, 2550. You know what I mean? You're playing, like, 2550, 500 once you get down to a few-handed and sometimes you're doing it with satellite winners who probably couldn't beat, like, 100 NL. So there's a lot of money to be made there, but there's got to be, you know, there's a, uh, there's a lot of variance. Like, I remember one year I bubbled, like, four of them, right? And, you know, maybe I made mistakes, but that's, like, 60,000 in bubbles. You know, so it's like, you got to, yeah, you got to have your head together. But, yeah, I really want to, uh, I, I go to the PCA every year. I love, I love the Bahamas. I, I love the I love the people out there. My my wife, uh, she made she went out there and like sang at like a concert with like uh, she like asked if she could like sing like up with uh, this like group from the Bahamas and they like you know they were all cool and they like took us out and we got to like meet the locals, eat the local food and all that. So it's like it's a good time when we go out there like seeing our friends and everything. Yeah. For for people listening that want to play the PCA or at least have a chance of trying to satellite for it, uh, for say like the average grinder, what would you say their best sort of course is? What Ooh. I've not really played on stars a lot recently, so I don't know. Is that I take it steps and things? Are they still running or? That's a good question. Uh, I think I think the steps don't run as much as they used to. I don't know to be honest with you. Uh, the steps actually were kind of harder because there was a lot of sit-and-go pros that played really well. Uh, yeah. my, my friends have had a lot of success with those, like, really small rebuys. And, like, okay, if you're going to play, like, the $30 rebuy, it's kind of like a crapshoot. And uh, you can spend a lot of money in it. But, like, what I always tell people is, first of all, your aim should not be, like, if you're a high-stakes pro, you you should be aiming to play the PCA for obvious reasons. But, like... If you're a middle stakes guy, you should have like a recreational budget you take out every month, right? And that recreational budget should be like 5% of your earnings, right? And everybody, like in any kind of business, you should have a part of your portfolio for swinging for the fences. And what I tell my students is, you know, before the PCA stats come up, you know, like pick one event a year you really want to get into and save up that 5%, save up that 5%. And what ends up happening is a lot of them have like 1K at the end. Now, you could blow that up on, like, one $700 satellite, but there's lots of feeder sats that a lot of people just, you know, a lot of pros just don't want to play. And, like, those $1 rebuys and stuff like that, 
Now, you can drop like $40 in that or $50 in that, but like, I mean, the way it's set up, it wouldn't be that hard, right? But like yeah. people who play that are horrible. And if you spend some time with like ICMizer, Sid and Go Wizard, you're going to see these people just lighting money on fire. And those like $1 satellites get you into like the hundreds, right? And then that hundred satellite you play and you get into the 700. And then a lot of times you spent like, you know, you spent like $150 to get to the $700 satellite. Now you have a real shot. And then you should play the ones on Sunday. Sunday is when a lot of people have time off work and they can play for it. And uh, th that's when there's the most like people who really don't know what they're doing. On the weekdays, you get a couple people who aren't really that knowledgeable, but you also get like every grinder. So I don't think that's a great time to take your shot. I wouldn't take your shot in the steps. But yeah, those little feeder satellites, like the $1 rebuys, the $3 rebuys. And I think there's even like, I, I think they even have some slower structures now in PokerStars. That's the one good thing about PokerStars. There's a lot of selection. And like there, there's some like deep stacked, slow levels, like $10 tournaments to get into the hundreds and then get into the 700s. And you can really, uh, you know, are like $20 or $50 or something like that. You know, and just work your way up. But you have to go in with the expectation of, I'm not going to get into this event. This is just my recreational budget. You know what I mean? But if you yeah. have that attitude at the end, you're not really going to freak out because you didn't expect to win anyway. A lot of people really expect to get in there and the stress level uh, becomes pretty monumental. And it's pretty, it, and uh, ooh, it's not fun to bubble in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't fancy that actually. Um, it's 60,000 bubbles and four satellites. That's just... Yeah, I mean, like, and that's, like, one year, one event. Like, back when I used to play the EPTs, like, I mean, it was just, like, once a week. Like, oh, I bubbled EPT Barcelona. That was $14,000. You know, yeah. like, that That was fun. You know, like, moving on. Know. But, yeah, anyway, go, going on, going on. Well, we're going to the first question because this is actually, and it's not even rigged again. It's just... Uh, nature <laughs> uh, it's from John Lattershell on Facebook and it is what is the most percent what is the most rate percentage you would pay in a live MTT oh wow for example, for example would you refuse to play a live tourney for which you did not have to travel if the rate was 15% uh, $150 plus a thousand buy-in yeah uh, no no because like Tra I mean, all of that's part of the rake, you know, like get traveling and all that. Like if you can justify it as a vacation, that's cool. But if you're just going to hang out in the hotel room and play MTTs, there's really no additional equity uh, to the travel expenses. So it really becomes part of the rake. Um, I guess the way to do this is go, what's your ROI in the tournament? And... Like, like, let's say the PCA, your ROI is 100%, which, by, by the way, I'd be shocked by. But if, let's say it is, so your average earn is like 10000 Well, whatever you pay in rake, like, eats into that, you know what I mean? So if it goes down to like 7 or, you know, if it's like 3K, it goes down to 7K, that's still pretty palpable. Now, if you're realistic, though, and you go like, okay, my ROI here is like 40%, which I think is much more re realistic for most MTTers, and then, uh, and then you go, okay, well, like to get out there and pay all those expenses, it's like $3,000. So my earn on this tournament per average is $1,000. And you put that over like two weeks, 
you know, if you're going to have fun in the Bahamas, that's great, but $1,000 really isn't that much. And if you do, you're out hourly. It's going to be pretty pathetic. But uh, the most, I mean, it depends on my ROI in the tournament. It depends. I've paid some absurd rakes. I've paid 5% uncapped uh, to play in some <laughs> cash games, which is like, you know, you have to be playing with businessmen who are going to, like, get all their money in on, like, second yeah. pair of nothing or everybody's going to be gro broke in four hours, right? And then, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a time I really didn't want to pay the rake. But, like, if you're playing on, uh, I mean, especially if you play on some of these, like, fringe websites, like, now a lot of people have an experience of what I had to deal with for years with, like, PokerStars.fr. Like, the rake there is pretty significant. It's, like, probably the highest like anybody knows about, but nobody doesn't want to play on PokerStars.fr. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it, it, it's just so soft. But if like the games just aren't soft, you, you have to do your ROI and then subtract it. And then you can, you take how much you're going to be making and then how many hours it would take you to win this tournament. And I think that gives you a more realistic idea. Now, if it's like a turbo, I'm not going to pay over like 9%. Usually, because no matter how good I am, I usually just don't have the time to do anything. And there's a lot of times, you know, I see people play these like $200 plus 15 at uh, live casinos or something like that. And it's like their structure is even worse. And it's going to take you like four and a half hours to get to the end there. So it's like, it, like let's say your ROI is like 25%, which would be insane. It, okay, so your win is like fifty dollars. Subtract, uh, subtract fifteen. It's thirty-five over four hours. You're making what? What is that? Like uh, eight eight fifty an hour. So like, if you want to work for like McDonald's prices, you know what I mean? Like you go on ahead. But that that tends to be the more realistic way to look at it. And then uh, it, but yeah, I mean, I really advocate. I used to play on a Malaysian site. I mean, the rake was like insane, but you know, if the players are that bad, you can go with it. Yeah, I think you you touched on the important thing there is the rake is not just what the casino are. You know, like a thousand plus a hundred rake. It's like if you've got to travel, your expenses, your hotel, your food, etc. If you're going there specifically to play poker. That's why, like, like you even say, a lot of live games should be looked at as going to the place to, like, recreational. Definitely for online grinders, it should be a recreational thing. Right. Um, to get out the house and go and see another city, or even not another city, but just get out the house, <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. And, um, you know, go and maybe meet up with other people you know there in town and have some food and drinks and that with them. Like a bit of, you know, relief sort of thing. Um, but I, I, I don't think a lot of people account for that, especially when they speak about uh, going, going you know, traveling a, a distance for a tournament. They just don't break that down. Um, and I remember, I think it was maybe yourself or it was uh, Eric Haber Sheets. He was talking about, you know, to play 10Ks, the bankroll you would really need for, uh, you know, to grind, to, I mean, grind 10Ks, you know, like how many, but to actually play them and show a profit, the bankroll you would need just to even play them, you know, would be just phenomenal. Man millions yeah. of dollars, man. Yeah. Millions yeah. of dollars. And it, it, it's true. like, I was thinking the other day, 
I was like looking at the PokerStars lobby, and like when I was a kid, like I had the bug, man. And but, you know, and like I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I made a lot of money at cash games, and I I didn't have a lot of that money at the end of it, cause you know we were doing stupid crap. Like I, I was looking at the PokerStars lobby, and I was like, man, there are tournaments all over the world now, man. And like I would love to get satellite into these ANZPTs and APPTs and LAPTs and all this crap, right? And like the Russian poker tour and all that, right? I would have just played all the satellites, 24 tablet, right? I wouldn't even pay attention to the structures. Just like if they told me I want a seat, I want a seat, right? And I'd show up the next day, right? And then I was just thinking that and I was like remembering the bug I had when I was like 18, 19. And like I'm really glad I did it. Because, I mean, like, I got to see a lot of the world. I got to meet a lot of people. I had a lot, like, I've got stories for days, like, from traveling the whole world. And, like, I learned a lot I never would have learned in a classroom. And, like, I love books. I read books every day. But, like, there's no, there's no uh, substituting for real world knowledge, you know what I mean? And, like, getting to do stuff like uh, I, I play pickup basketball in like the ghetto in the Philippines. Right. And I was, it's the only time I've ever gotten to be the tallest guy in a pickup basketball game, by the way, but like, you know, and stuff like that and like playing, uh, you know what I mean? And like really get like getting to live in Korea for a month and crap like that. And uh, you know, see a lot of Brazil and stuff like that. That was all cool, but like financially feasible, it was not, you know, like you win these tournament entries and it's like, okay, 2.5k right well it where is it it's it's in china well to get to china it's going to cost two thousand dollars you yeah. know what i mean so it's like if your roi is 100 percent, which it probably isn't that's it man like you're just going you're working for free for a week you know what i mean uh -huh. and like i had hundreds of thousands of dollars and i was going up and down and going broke all the time and like i can't imagine like a lot of these kids that that's what they want to do that's all they want to do is play all these MTTs and stuff like that. And it's like, man, your backer, you know, your backer better have a couple million behind him. You know, if he really wants to put you in all that and like you're just accepting losses because like, that's the other thing. Like your ROI, let's say you go out to APPT, uh, you go out to like APPT Macau, right? That was a popular stock. That's a 2.5K, right? Well, if your ROI is 100%, it's 2.5K, you still might not make up for that and all the expenses. But if you're backed, it's 1.25K. And guess what? Most backers are not going to pay your expenses. You're going to have to pay your food. You're going to have to pay your travel. You're going to have to cough up money for the hotel. Like, in, in, with many of my friends' backing deals, I was like, dude, you can't, like, there's no way you could be making money for this. Like, there's no way you could be doing it. So, yeah, I mean, you really have to think about it in this case. And just, yeah, you got to – and you're not going to – when I was on the road all the time, I wasn't appreciating these different places, you know what I mean? You should, like mm -hmm. – you should prepare – like, if you're going to go to a country, like, get into Duolingo or whatever the crap it is now and, like, you know, learn some of the phrases – and, like, that was when I was having the most fun. I'd learn some of the phrases. I'd go there. I'd, like, make myself leave the house sometimes and, like, all oh, right, you're going to go to a bar and start talking with people, right? You know, and if they invite you over somewhere, you got to say yes and stuff like that. That's when I had a lot of fun. When I was just showing up and I was tired and I was like, i got to grind MTTs once I'm done with this tournament. Like, oh, my God, that sucked. It was, like, it was bad being on the tour. But, all right, enough, enough, uh, what, what's that word? Ruminating. Ruminating? Is that the Ruminate. 
Reminiscent. Reminiscent. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. You're closer to where that English language thing was created, so yeah. I, I trust your English a little more than mine. Okay. The next question is from Chaz Cairns. Quick discussion on random number generators and their randomness, or possible <laughs> lack, or possible lack thereof. Not a conspiracy theorist, but how confident are you in them? I mean, uh, he, here's the thing. I. Uh, I got to know a mathematician when I was very young, a young cat from uh, Zimbabwe, literally, right? And he was, like, one of the smartest dudes I ever met. And he, he told me, like, this is pretty much how he summed it up. To get to a true random is very difficult. To get to a pure random is extremely difficult. But to get something like an algorithm people couldn't detect that's, like, rigged, that is even more difficult. You know what I mean? And I always make jokes about like, I, I always make jokes. My friends like wonder if I'm serious, but I'm like, of course he won that flip. He's from a new market. You know, they're trying to get him in on poker stars. Right. But like, I mean, I, I don't really buy that. I, I don't, I, I've never, I've never seen any evidence for it. I, and I get to look at everybody's database. You know, there, there's certainly, a lot of times, you know, these conspiracy theories have, like, really uh, logical uh, basis. I, I don't know. I'd be really shocked if, like, I mean, you think of all the things that have come to light. One of them has never been the random number generator is rigged. It's been, like, it's easier just to show the cards and give that to somebody or something like that. And if you look at databases, it all comes out. And the other thing I don't understand is, like, Okay, Okay. everybody's, like, thing is, like, the random number generator is, like, rigged against me. It's like, what, what, the, I, I've consulted for poker sites. All they're trying to do is figure out how you can keep your money, right? <laughs> like, they, all they're trying to do is make sure you don't go broke. Sometimes they're trying to put classes on so people can stop going broke, right? Like, I've talked to a lot of poker sites that, like, wanted to bring me in as their teacher and stuff like that. For like, because certain markets were losing so much money, the same markets I would uh, want, like the random number generator helping really frequently. If I was running a poker site, they were like, "No, we got to teach these people because in reality they're losing their ass off." You know, we need them to be doing well. So I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, even if it's rigged, what are you gonna do? You're gonna find another game, and how rigged could it possibly be? They're pro they want you to have money. You know, it, it's, like, it's one of those things like worrying about it's not going to get you anything. I highly, highly doubt it exists. So, you, you know, like I've never heard of anything like that, like a hot account. Of course, like some people run better than you, but like on a scale of like I've looked at my own graph and seen like, okay, okay like in critical situations, I'm like at the bad end of the bell curve like the part of the curve where like wow you're really not doing well in these spots right like just a lot more flips have been lost and stuff like that and like it, there was one that really dumped the equity it was like a one outer for like 100k right at an f tops but like i never considered like you know like oh somebody's after me you know what i mean it's just kind of it's just the way it is, man. Like, I don't know. Like, if you grew up in poker like I grew up, like, since I was, like, 15 years old, there's years where you see a guy's just really hot. 
and it like defies explanation. And then like, you know, a couple of years later, he's like ice cold, you know, I mean, that just happens. So it's yeah. a, I, I know this isn't like a great explanation, but like, no, nah, I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of different poker sites. I didn't get the idea. Like you think of the ways they could rig it. It would just be so obvious. And like anybody yeah. with, a data mining ability would catch it really quickly. So they do the logical thing is let's just set up a fair game and rake money for till the end of time and go buy our 27th house in Guam and hide all the money there. Let's not bother with this random number generator thing because this looks really tough. And I just want to go back to stacking money and watching all these silly people try to make a living at actually playing this game. Anyway, yeah, well, my take on it has always been if it's rigged, it's rigged for everyone. <laughs> That's know? a good point. <laughs> so it's like it's like, it's like playing with a deck of cards with only fifty-one cards in it. Exactly. If you're all if you're all playing the same game, then it's a fair advantage. Um, the other thing would be, it, like you say, the business model of these sites. It makes no sense for them to rig it. Yeah, like imagine a site like Poker Stars if something came out like that. Whew. Yeah. Like it'd be yeah, but it, it would be over. A, a billion dollar company it would be over be it, overnight. Be, why run? And for they what? wouldn't do it. Exactly. Yeah. Just like put pain on some people. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, there's no. There is no. They don't care if you win the F, uh, the F tops wrong, full tilt, or you know W coupon stars, whatever, or if some random guy from wherever killed it. Yeah. Sometimes they, from a business point of view, they would prefer that a total unknown wins it and whatever sometimes but then that you know they get the whole story oh i just satellited in for like uh the last four cents yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and won like three hundred thousand. like it makes a good story but then for every one of them there are there are chris moormans you know that just take down whatever and that jovial gent and stuff when he went on a a crazy oh my God, you know, deal yeah. with w coop and stuff like that so yeah, it's it's totally it's as random as it can be. And if you want to get into the definition of random number generators and stuff like that, there's lots of funky things that like they behave differently when they're observed by humans and all this stuff. Uh, you know, and you, you can actually there was one study uh, Phil Lack used to rant about it that there was even studies that human you know observation in another room and stuff could have an effect on a random number generator. That, that sounds like, like a Phil Lock thing to, you know, to bring like, up, right? Yeah, so it's like, you know, things like that, it's as random as you say as it can be. It's been written by someone, you know, software developers or program writers or whatever. So to that extent, there is some form of part, like if you did look at it over so many, whatever, there would be certain patterns, but then humans look for patterns in anything. And I think the biggest accusations of r random number generators being rigged come from pure observer bias, whereas people going... That's a good point. Every, t every time they get stung, they lose the runner-runner, they go, oh, it's like every time I've got that. <laughs> and the, the, worst, the worst one I ever heard was... The big stack always wins. I mean, seriously. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, they're trying to finish the turn. The, the big stack always wins. They're trying, well, you got to gamble at the well, beginning, man. Well, yeah. here's the thing. If that were true, uh, the, if that were true, all the guys that take any edge everywhere would be super, super successful online, and you're starting to see those guys not do as well. 
So that it, that can't be true. The guys who like just get it in and flip at the but beginning. I said, I said to the guy that said that no, it can't be true because I'll go onto my computer now and show you how many hand histories where I've been the big star. <laughs> So it's not every time the big stack wins. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. It's, it's, it's every time you're down to maybe two tables where you think you've maybe outdrew loads of people before it to get to that point, and then you lose a hand, and just so happens that the big stack's called you, and because you're all in, you've seen five cards, so there's more chance of you getting, you know, right, like right. that. And you go, it's just, it's just people observing it and like wanting to see patterns. Humans want to see patterns and everything. There's a great you know? book on this called Thinking Fast and Slow, just about like yeah, people picking up patterns that aren't really there. Yeah, somebody's knocking on my door, so all the dogs are running yeah. out and yelling. It's probably somebody selling like Papa's tomatoes and stuff <laughs> like that, but. uh yeah, no, there's a really good book. Yeah, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow is a really good book on that, and I'm trying to think of... But you see, like, uh, there's so many biases, you know what I mean? Here's the other thing that's interesting to me. Like, just as someone who's been around poker a lot of the time, if you're in a rigged poker game, everybody knows right away. Like, if you're in a real live game where someone's, like, cooking the deck, you'll pick up on it. Like, it's not, like, I've been in rigged poker games before. People pick up on it really quickly, right? And, like, I'm, you know, I've had some uh, bad luck at different times in my career. And when that has happened, I've never felt it even close to how I felt in those bad games when I played live. Like, it was just one of those, oh, I mean, you know, this year the deck's kind of against me, you know what I mean? There's going to be a year where, like, when I'm all in, I'm going to win. I know that's going to happen, you know? It's just, but uh, I, think, I think it's also, like, a mental health thing, you know what I mean? Not saying, like, people who think the deck's against them are, like, mentally ill. It's just, when I was, like, really insecure about myself, I used to see <laughs> BS everywhere, you know what I mean? Once... I felt fairly confident. I mean, not confident, but, like, I was more secure with myself. I started realizing, I mean, I, this is just a gambling game, man. You know, sometimes it goes, it's like Phil Ivey said, you know, sometimes it goes against you, sometimes it goes with you, and sometimes the courts rule against your $12 million win and you lose it, you know? I mean, it's just like that. Yeah. Did you see that? Jesus. I've not seen the, as the result out yet. The, the, yeah, the courts ruled against him. Really? Yeah, I, I, I can't that. believe that, right? Like, they didn't even, like, throw him anything. Uh, okay, let's go to the next question. Anonymous Facebooker I have here. All right. So, uh, they, bear with me. It's, the guy's English is not his first language. Okay, as, uh, cool. Uh, hello, dude. I've been playing poker for a year now. I make small deposits, run them up, and lose. I always want to win a big score in MTTs, but I can't. Uh, I don't use a HUD. I can't and slash don't use a HUD. Uh, my PC is too slow. Uh, but I did good on 250 turbos without them. Uh, but on a little bit of a downswing right now. I want to play for a living sometime in the future. Uh, I'm only 18. Just can't break the barrier just yet. Uh, should I quit poker or what, what should I do? Go to school. Get a job. But don't quit poker. No, but seriously, uh, I, I tell everybody the same thing. Go to school, man. Like, develop discipline. You know what I mean? There's, uh, I read a list the other day of, like, celebrities that used to be in the military, right? 
And it was crazy how much of like the hip hop world was like former Marines, right? And it's like, I wonder why that is. Oh, obviously they get that discipline, you know what I mean? And they learn, you know, they learn something about grit. And one of the ways you can get grit, like, and uh, I know that's kind of a weird word for people who English isn't their second language. Although, honestly, with the accents we portray here, I never really do justice to people who are listening to English as their second language. But bear with me. Uh, Grit is like, it's an old word. And I think it was in American English, but I'm not sure, which just meant like how tough you were when times got tough. And one of the ways you can develop that is getting a job uh, or going to school or both. I think those are great. You can learn it. Make sure you go to school or get a job that can teach you something. You know what I mean? Like I would not be where I am in poker if I had not taken a job as a commercial fisherman when I was 18 years old. I didn't have enough money. I was like you. I was grinding it out. And I just wasn't making it work. So I was like, I need to make a cushion because I'm too stupid uh, to like make it right now. You know what I mean? I'm just not cutting it. So I went and worked as a commercial fisherman for two months and I worked 16 hours a day and it was tough, but I saved a lot of money and it gave me, uh, I needed much more time than I couldn't, I couldn't believe like the first six months as a pro were just like a disaster. It took me so long to learn how to make money at this game. Like I was making money before, but it's much different when that's all you do. So I would say, okay, your PC's crap. So that's okay. You don't need a HUD to play the, the sitting goes, but you should get a HUD and like look at people's stats like away, like look at the regs, uh, it because that'll work like that'll be fine. Like you'll have enough time to let everything load up on your PC and everything if you do it away. And you know, just take some notes. Like this guy never rejams wide enough, so I can open more on him. Or this guy always rejams, so I better be sure to have a hand when I open. Uh, so, Okay, so you're putting deposits in, you're running it up, and you're going bust. That's actually a lot of like guys would tell you that's bad, and they'd be like, okay, here's all the bankroll requirements you need. I don't think that's as bad. If you have a job on the side and you can afford to lose like $50 once in a while, you want to make that $50 last, but you certainly don't want to play like, uh, okay, I need 200 buy-in, so i got to p- play tournaments that are $0.25. Cents. You know what I mean? It'll take you longer uh, to get that $50 to $100 than uh, you'd realize. But, like, you know, you should play as low as possible. Those $2 are great. And if you go bust, that's fine. But stick at – you can gamble with a very small deposit, but once you run that up, you've got to protect that bankroll. So if you're playing, like, $2 tournaments, I'd say, okay, you get that $50 there. Play $2 tournaments way up until you get, like uh, – I would say at $500, you move up to like $5 tournaments, okay? And you got to make like, you got to make, like my friends who work in the stock market do this, right? They have their portfolio and they go, if this dips under 15% at what I bought it at, I sell. I, I don't care how good it was. I obviously underestimated, right? I think that's a little extreme, but that works really well in poker as well. So you move up at $500, but when, you know, you have a certain level, you move down. Uh, you feel much better. You're like, okay, you know, I'm moving up, but like if uh, it doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to what I was beating, right? So you play those $2 tournaments so you get to 500 and then you give yourself like a $100 allowance. Okay, I'm, now I'm going to play the $3 tournaments and $5 tournaments, 
And if I dip below 400, I got to get up to 500 again playing the $2 tournaments. That way you limit the loss, but like you're moving up as you're gaining, right? And you have to set different benchmarks for this. So like when I get to $800, I'm going to move up to the $8 tournament. And once you get to a couple thousand, you should play with 200 buy-ins. Like right now, you don't really have much bankroll management. Once you get to like $500, you're going to have like 100 buy-ins up to... $800, you have 100 buy-ins. $1,000, you have 100 buy-ins. Once you get to like 2K, you should start 200 buy-ins. And whatever you have 200 buy-ins for, you can play. This sounds very conservative, but the guys I know who have made the most money have played a lot of hours with this bankroll strategy. This is how I got started when I was 18 years old. It works really well, and it gets you focused on what you should be focusing, grinding without worrying about losses. I imagine you're really worried about losses. Don't quit poker, but realize poker is just a game. It's, it's, a, it's a great way out of poverty. I love poker for, its merit, uh, for the meritocracy of it all. Uh, and, but at the same time, it, it takes a ton of work. And one of the ways you can get stable, one way I got stable and got me ahead of the pack is I developed that discipline by uh, becoming a commercial fisherman, by becoming a security guard when I got out of high school. I didn't just sit at home and play poker all day. I made myself pay bills. You know what I mean? I had to budget. I had to go, well, this is my apartment. It's really cheap. You know, this is my amount of money I got to pay each month. I'm going to save up this amount on the side of my bankroll I got from my job, and that's going to be my expenses. This is my bankroll. I'm not going to cash out from it until, you know, it's really something. And all that discipline got me ahead to the point when I was 18, I was, wor I was like literally cleaning like fish guts off of the hole of a ship, freezing my ass off, getting frostbite up in Alaska. When I was 19, I was flying all over the world, renting out different condos in different continents, depending on which time I was out there playing. And it wasn't because I was good at poker. I was pretty bad. Like, honestly, looking back, I was really bad. But I just played more than anybody, and I played within my bankroll. I limited how much I could lose. And when I was winning, I kept moving up, the, I kept moving up my buy-ins, and it, you know, it worked out really well. So, you know, have that discipline. And staying in school, I went to school even after I became a professional poker player because it was just really good for the social outlet, the discipline, learning how to study and retain knowledge. You've got to bring that back to poker and study. Don't be afraid to study. You know what I mean? Go try to find videos where you can watch this stuff. You know, try to find books that you can get this. I, I mean, you've got to be aggressive. I mean, you can find these books out there. You cannot spend that much money on a lot of these materials. And then, you know, you've got to pay it back once you get up there. And buy, you know, but like if you uh, if you got to take what you can get the study and realize a lot of people put thousands of hours into anything they wrote down. I just wrote 85 pages for an upcoming book. And it's honestly like my manifesto. It's like 10 years of poker broken down into 85 pages steal off our I mean copy off our homework read it get the edges you can get write down little findings you get highlight things be aggressive the geeks make the money in this game the people who work hard anybody's acting like he's too cool for school that guy's not going to be anywhere in three years I promise you that the guys who put in the work make the money in this game
Sage advice. Sage advice, Alex. Thank you. I try. I try. <laughs> yeah, well, the guy's obviously from a country where, you know, the dollar goes a long way, probably. Exactly. You know, That's a really good so, point, man. So he sees he sees that opportunity, and uh, he's eager to do it. But like you say, he's only 18. He sh- there's no rush. You got all the time in the world, man. You got all the time in the world, man. Like, it, this was something we were talking about before, but, like, think of a really rich person who's pretty old right now. How much money do you think Warren Buffett or Donald Trump would pay to be 32 again and in good shape? You know, probably all of it. You know what I mean? You got something right now nobody can pay for, and that is time. And that is youthful vi- I, I assume you don't have kids. I assume you don't have dependents. I assume you don't have a mortgage. This is, I mean, you, you, every, a lot of things are going for you right now. You just got to be more disciplined than your 18-year-old ass wants to be. If you can do that, you can make it. But, yeah, sorry. I cut you off all the time, Barry. I'm a bad Man, guy. And just don't want everything instantly as well. Like today, like nobody wants to wait five seconds on a video, like refreshing so up true, and man. stuff. So it's like trying to say, right, this could take five years or ten years. It seems like what you know, but uh, every was it every overnight success, you know, is behind them is like fifteen years of like bullshit. So that's really true. And like my first, okay, a lot of people, I tell people, when did you go pro? I'm like the year I graduated high school, right? And which is true. The year I graduated high school, I was 18 years old, and uh, I, I went pro. But they didn't see, like, yeah, for the first, from when I was 15 to 18, like, every day after school, I was playing poker. Like, every day. Like, every day. Like, from, sometimes from, like, 4 p.m. to, like, 1 in the morning. Sleep three hours, go to school. And I still got good marks in school because I knew I had to have a backup plan. You know what I mean? So I got, I graduated high school with, a, I graduated with better grades when I was playing poker than when I, I was just doing nothing because I was motivated. It was my backup plan. I had a point for it, you know, and then, yeah, from 15 to 18, I was always broke. I was always in a different game. You know, I traveled all over Seattle trying to play any game I could. Me and my buddy in a car for three hours to show up at a game and get turned away because of our ages all that kind of stuff. Then when I was 18, you know, it took me longer. It took me a year to get from $50 to 1000 And then, you know, when I went pro the first six months, I didn't really do that well. And, like, this, so that's, like, a good three and a half years before, like, I became a pro. And then, you know, I was 19 and traveling the world and all that. You know what I mean? Everybody does focus on that one thing. Google grit. There's a great TED Talks video by Angela Lee Duckworth on grit. And it talks about how patience, like you're talking about, Barry, like gets people further. And then like everything they recommend to look for, you need to read. And they have this thing now. They, they like grade kids on all these different ways uh, of intelligence when they're young, right? And they're finding like IQ is not really a good predictor of success. It's what you're talking about, Barry, the patience. The, when they have these kids have a delayed gratification test where it's like, okay, here's a cupcake. I'm going to be back in 15 minutes. If you don't eat that cupcake, you'll get to eat two cupcakes. The kids who can wait 15 minutes always become more successful, even than the kids with high IQs and all that stuff, great test scores and all that. Yeah, it's true. It is true. I mean, patience, that's the old saying, you know, patience is a virtue sort of thing. Also, don't compare yourself with other people because that's just, 
you know, like, oh, wow, they're good doing point. this, they're doing this, so I can't, you know, I should be doing that. It's like, you never know what their situation really is or what they've done previously to get there. And, you know, everybody, you know, if you dig deep enough, you look, everybody's got their own struggles and stories and stuff like that. So just, yeah, try and relax and, uh, you know, that's a, that's uh, a really good point, man. In one, let me tell you guys something. I like I work with more high stakes pros than anyone I know, probably more than anyone in the world. And they like part part of my gig is to like listen to their problems. A lot of the guys with millions of dollars and stuff, you would never want to be them, man. Like they even the guys that like I mean, in, here's the thing: I could even do that. I can compare myself to people. You know what I mean? Like I can compare myself to a lot of dudes in poker and go, man, I wish I was like him. You know what I mean? Like I wish my EPT shot worked out number one, two, or three, or something like that. You know, <laughs> I could do that. And a lot of you guys are thinking, oh, you know, once I become like Alex, you know, like everything's gonna be so easy. You know, it's not true, man. It's a lot of work. And a lot of these guys I used to be jealous of when I really got to know their situations and some of the crap they deal with, man, like a lot of them, their families hate them for playing poker, even if they make all their money. You know what I mean? And there's a, a lot of them just have personal problems. Like they can't disconnect. Like they can't like make a relationship with a significant other because they're just so like, they've almost become a little schizophrenic. They're so in the game all the time. They're so racked with anxiety. You know what I mean? It's a game versus you just thank God every day. You even have, I don't know what country you're from, but the guys I really love working with are from Eastern Europe because, it, you know, they can talk to their parents and be like, you know, when we used to talk bad, we got into a gulag. You know what I mean? And like a good week was we got two loaves of bread, you know, because the state let us have a loaf of bread. And they knew, you know, they, they grew up in like a former communist state where they weren't allowed to do anything. They weren't allowed to become anything. And if they made any kind of money, the party just went and took it, right, and made up some reason to take it. And they're just so happy for the liberty and the freedom to go out there and get what's theirs. That's just what you got to focus on, man. This is there has never been another time in history where a game has employed so many people. There have never been so many opportunities for travel, currency leveraging, making money off the grid and making your own life. Just thank God for that. Focus on that and keep grinding. That's it. That's it. Uh, we've got one more question, and this is one I spoke to you at the start, Alex. I'm not sure if this one's been read out or not. Uh, if it was a leftover from the previous show, or we asked it. Um, so if it is, just let me know. And even if it is, maybe just still answer it again, right? Right. <laughs> I will. I will. It's all good. Uh, what is your opinion about coaching for a percentage? from both the student and coach perspective. It's not a very popular form of coaching and I don't understand why. Do you know do you know coaches that have done that? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Uh I don't think we've done that. That's actually something I'd really like to address cuz everybody okay. okay, here's the thing. Everybody always writes me and they're like, "Hey man, I don't have money to pay you. Could you take a percentage of me and you could coach me?" First of all, why the hell would I take a percentage of you if you can't even come up with the money to buy a lesson? It, do I really expect you're going to be making it in the future? First of all, second of all, who the hell are you? How do I know you're going to pay me? How do I know you're not going to pocket the cash? You know what I mean? And by the way, I, have, I am the dumbest, bleeding heart idiot 
when it comes to trying to help people out. And I get burned every single time. Every, like, it is so rare somebody actually does the work we, I try to contract them for. Like, I can't tell you how many times I just, I mean, like, I, I've tried to hire an assistant, right? Like, a guy writes me, and it's like, hey, man, I have no money for my da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, all right, here's some menial work that I don't want to do. I'll pay you 30 bucks to do it. Guy doesn't get the work done. Or the guy gets the work done, but he lies about how many hours he did it, so he needs more. Guy gets the work done, doesn't cash the money out. He goes and plays with it without talking to me about it. You know what I mean? This kind of stuff happens all the time, and I'm sorry. Like, I have no reason to think you're different. Now, if you want to get in a coaching percentage relationship, I think that's a very mature decision. But you've got to realize the people who are in the position to offer you that hear so much BS every day, you have to do something to differentiate yourself, okay? One of, one of, the, ways, uh, one of the ways you can do that is if you can actually meet the person person to person, like at a casino or something, don't talk to them about poker, first of all. Become a friend. The only, one of the guys I've helped out the most is uh, Javier Gret, Grant Grasquet. And a lot of people are like, why is this the Costa Rican Alex picked, right? Because a lot of Costa Ricans wrote me and they were like, hey, man, I want to come to your house and learn, right? And they, I was like, no, I don't do that. And then Grasquet got to do that, right? And they were like, oh, so apparently you do it for some people. You won't do it for me. Well, here's the reason. Grasquet is my friend, when I met him the first time, we were both at the bank, right, and, like, get, doing something, right? He didn't talk to me about poker at all. We just started talking about, like, Costa Rica and life and stuff, right? Then he was like, hey, man, let's go play tennis sometime, man. It'd be good for you, right? That was a really good suggestion. It really, like, helped me in life. So we're playing tennis. He's, like, teaching me something about tennis. And then we're talking about music. We, you know, we have, like, similar music interests, right? So this dude's, like, being a really, you know, he's being a homie at the start, mm. right? And then when we start talking about poker, he, you know what I mean? I'm in a position to help him now. I'm really, I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to helping this guy because he's showing he can be a colleague, you know? He's already being a good guy and not looking out trying to make something from the relationship. You know what I mean? So that's one way you can do it. Like actually just, you know, talk to these people, not try to get something out their pockets right away. And uh, the other thing is you have to, uh, if you're going to approach them on a professional basis, this is like writing emails or something like that. Here's what, here's what we look for. All right. And by the way, caveat emptor, I don't, uh, I don't do this for anyone. I don't even do this for Grasket, right? Like I take Grasket gives me a piece of what he has, but like we have a different financial relationship, right? And he's the only one because like he's the dude I like he lives down the street from me. I can go yell at his mom if he ever like stole from me or something like that. I don't have that luxury with you guys, so I don't have the time to get into it. But let's say you're going to approach like uh the people I work with the most, right? One of the few backing stables to have last, lasted for years and years, Pokar. Pokar is an excellent place for you guys to get into. But here's what they're looking for. Here's what I'm looking for when I'm helping them, right? Uh, you do a lot of work for free, okay? You do it because you like poker. One way you can work for free is just being on a forum. On a forum, you're trying to solve hands. You're asking questions on forums. You're writing your findings. When Durr drafted, I don't know if you've heard this, but Durr used to have this deal where he just gave $500,000 to like a bunch of empty tiers, right? 
and he said, like, come back to me when you have profit, right? And if you lost the 500K, he, he didn't even want it back because he thought you would never make it up because he thought people play bad in makeup, right? Of course, every dumbass and their mother wanted this deal. How do you think Durr picked? Well, he went to 2 plus 2 and he looked at who are the guys who have been trying to decipher poker for free for the last, like, 10 years, right? And he went to those NTT threads, he read people's answers, and realized, man, if they're putting this much work in for free, I want to be in business with this guy. And that's how he picked his dudes, right? Now, it's the same thing with poker. You show a lot of interest, a lot of work. You know, you put in a lot of work. And, uh, and a lot of you guys speak a language other than English. You can start writing, like, very basic articles in your language, right? We see that. We're like, man, this guy's, you know, this guy's putting in work. Right. Other thing is you put in a lot of games. That's something you can afford, even if it's just 25 cent tournaments. If we see a thousand games with profit, it's like, well, if this guy can be disciplined at this, you know, like maybe we do want to take him on, you know, something something's in it for them. It's really good for you guys. Here's the thing. Coaching with a percentage is really good for you. Okay, it's really good for you. Most people I tell people get self-employed as fast as they can because you know, you want to keep 100% of the profits, especially if you're an above average person who's putting in more work. Because like, if you're doing it at a corporation, you know, they can't afford to pay you that much more because, you know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum are going to start pissing and moaning. So you got to get self-employed to rack it up. The only time I tell people don't be self-employed is when somebody is giving you tutelage. This is really possible in like a corporation like Pokar, where like, they've taken the steps to teach you with like, they have like hundreds of training videos and seminars they've recorded that are just available to you. Private time where you can like, you know, 20 people come and they talk with a coach and stuff like that. And when they offer it to you, they want to see you're using it, right? Now, this is really good for you because you're getting tutelage and a bankroll and you get a really good place to start. And like I said, my first four years in poker were like just spending like in the back of a van and crap like that. And you know, like going broke and constantly being out of action, having to go back to my job at a fast food restaurant to get my bankroll back up again. You never have to deal with this. When you're not working, you're studying. When you're not studying, you're working, right? And, oh, yeah, they never want to give you a loan. Never a ever ask for a loan. That's not just Pokar. That's everyone. You have your own money saved up on the side. If you go up to them and go, look, I've been posting on a forum. Look, I've been writing articles in my language. Look, I have statistics in this and look, I have money set aside and I have like really cheap bills. You'll look like a pro. Now here's the thing. We don't want, most guys don't want to coach you for a percentage because one, the bookkeeping is a pain in the ass, right? It's a huge pain in the ass. Two, that's not a business. Having horses is not a business. If I build up a business, this is something my friend Gabriel Diaz pointed out to me. If he, you build up a business, you can sell it, right? I can't sell my best horses. Nobody's going to buy them. So the, a higher end doesn't really work out as much. And here's the other thing about backing. Most people get into backing to make their own money and quit, right? So your upper end is really limited because your best players will get a score, take their portion, and quit. But your bad players are just going to keep losing and losing and losing and losing. This is why the amount of time it takes with the bookkeeping – the amount of deadbeats and uh, estafadores, uh, scammers, uh, are, the amount of work that goes into it, 
how little how there's not as much money in it the, t- the like the top end is not that high you can bottom out really easily in fact that's the standard not the rule 90% of backing houses i have heard of have gone broke most people don't want to deal with it so you got to give them a really good reason not to want to take you on right and i would recommend if you want to get into that relationship the only the people I really advocate every time I have a student where I go like, wow, this guy's like really putting in work. He really wants to get better. He just doesn't have the bankroll. I always direct them to Pokar. They're the best people. They have the best education, the best like management, best bookkeeping. And yeah, you got to get in there and work your ass off and realize it's not going to, it might not, it might not be money a year or two or three years in, you know what I mean? You just got to work and save up and, work up to it yeah well definitely and also the thing like you say a lot of guys like yourself and stuff get bombarded with emails like that and you know you can't you've got to the reason that you get that is because you've got to say everyone is the same until you're proven different sort of thing so you've got to differentiate Mm. yourself Mm. you can't just bombard like think how many begging letters phil ivy gets from like people saying you know, like, you know, oh, I want to be your friend, Phil, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you got to be a little more subtle <laughs> with a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even know you played poker, honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just thought you were a good-looking black dude walking through here. Yeah. I just wanted to meet you, man. How you doing? Yeah, I, I thought it was Tiger Woods. <laughs> Sorry. All right, man. Okay. Anyway, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Stupid point. Yeah, well. That that was the last uh, that was the last question for this show and uh, what about our time anyway? Um, so uh, just a few usual notes. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com. That's at o n o n e o u t e r d o t c o m. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com/groups/oneouter. Um, Alex, how can people follow you? Facebook.com slash Assassinato, Twitter at The Assassinato. PokerHeadRush.com is my blog where every couple days something random goes up there, an article, a strategy piece that didn't fit in anything, uh, review more of my fun stuff. WPTMag.com, Bluff.com, uh, PokerNews.com, and PocketFives.com is where you can check out hundreds of my free articles. Uh, what what else is there? Write us at assassinatocoaching at gmail dot com if you want to get it. Uh, if you want to get details on a private lesson, uh, working with you on a more one on one basis. Uh, also check out my if you go to pokerheadrush dot com right now you can check out my flyer under my flyers under the strategy section. We have a training video like too hot for TV. You know I wanted to sell privately because I really felt. I deserve to get paid off this because I put tens and tens and maybe hundreds of hours of work into it about how to beat the MTTs these days that resulted in a double W coop chance win. That's sixty dollars. Uh, you can look at the flyer under the strategy second section on pokerheadrush.com. That's called You Flat Too Much, and uh, you can watch all of these ideas in practice in the W coop sweat vids. That's forty nine ninety nine. You can check out the flyer on Poker Head Rush dot com under strategy and uh yeah i'm trying to trying to think i think that's about it 
failing all that, just Google them. Yeah, just Google. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't forget that Google thing. It works pretty well. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah, it's quite good. Yeah. Uh, okay, Alex. Well, and oh, one last thing. Uh, keep the questions coming in for the next show. Uh, email questions at oneouter dot com. Tweet them to at oneouter dot com. Uh, or post them in the Facebook group, uh, or message me somehow, you know, you, you'll get them to me. Anything at oneouter.com is an email address, uh, will come through to me to read. And uh, we'll get them to Alex for the next show. And until then, thanks for listening, and see you next time. Cheers!